You're listening to the Simply Instructional Coaching Podcast, a podcast for instructional coaches who want a simple plan with simple steps to get started coaching teachers. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm an elementary teacher turned instructional coach with a little bit of K-12 admin sprinkled in. Tune in for simple tips and strategies for what and how to coach teachers. Being an impactful instructional coach doesn't have to be complicated. Let's make it simple. Hey, hey, coaches, welcome back to the Simply Instructional Coaching Podcast. In the last episode, I went into a deep dive around the foundation of the simple blueprint for instructional coaching. Let's do a quick recap. The Simple Blueprint is a comprehensive blueprint for coaching that outlines the most crucial components of instructional coaching and how to provide differentiated support for teachers. The Simple Blueprint also provides a quick strategy for identifying teacher needs, tips for developing a coaching plan, and strategies to use to support teachers. Both new and tenured coaches can utilize the Simple Blueprint. I also want to say that the blueprint can be used with other coaching models and it could be standalone. So it's very flexible in that way. Let's dive into the blueprint really quick. S-I-M-P-L-E. S stands for set the vision. I stands for introducing your role. M stands for make a plan. P stands for providing strategic support. L stands for launching coaching cycles. And E stands for engaging in professional learning. The SIM is the foundations and the PLE is the work of coaching. In this episode, we're going to dive into the PLE, which is the work of coaching. When we talk about the P, we're talking about providing strategic support. And that means that we're going to do three things. We're going to perform baseline snapshots. We're going to tier teachers for support. And we're going to differentiate the support based on the different tiers. All right, so when I talk about doing a baseline snapshot, I've created this thing called the Simple Core 4. And the Simple Core 4 is four pillars that is a trajectory of the things that you should coach teachers on. This is a guideline, but it really does help you to really identify four areas that teachers need to work on. The first area is organization. And when I say organization, I really kind of talk about the small things that happen in the classroom, like that the room is neat and organized, traffic patterns are well planned, classroom expectations are posted and referenced, routines and structures are established, systems for parent communications are in place, and grading efficiency is established. So that are the small things that happens in the classroom. Normally in the organization pillar, you can probably work with a teacher on that for probably a day or two and really get those things under control. I want to make sure that you understand that when I talk about the Simple Core 4, I am definitely talking about a trajectory, but it doesn't mean that each one of these things have to be completely checked off. Because what we know is, is that it takes time to build some things in the classroom and you don't want to just stay in one pillar for the entire year. You really want to move teachers through the pillars so that you can get to the ultimate thing, which is instructional execution. So the second pillar is management and culture. We want to make sure that teachers have a behavior management system in place and that they are utilizing it. 
The reason why I made sure that I wrote out utilize is because I've worked with many, many teachers over the years. And working with those teachers, they can come up with some real elaborate (laughs) classroom or behavior management plans. However, most teachers were not able to keep up with that behavior management plan. And so you want to make sure that the behavior management plan that the teacher creates in the classroom is something that they can actually do and they can continue to do and utilize it in the classroom every day. So the next thing you want to look at are students engaged and on task. Now, we're not talking about cognitive engagement just yet, but we definitely want to know, are our students engaging in the work? Are students interacting effectively with peers? Are students learn by doing? So are they actually doing some work, some type of projects, some type of manipulatives, some hands-on learning taking place? Providing learning environments, fostering the student success, and teacher communication effectively with students. The students interactive effectively, the teacher communicating perfectively, and the positive learning environment are all culture things. Those things are something that will be created over time. It's not something that you're just going to do right now, but it's definitely something that will create over time. And since you want to do that, you want to help the teacher to start to create a culture of respect and positive learning in the classroom. The very first thing that I have teachers to do is to really work on having positive conversations and respectful conversations in the classroom. One thing that I always do is I have them to say, I respectfully disagree because dot, dot, dot. So I give them a sentence starter. I say, hey, this is the way in which we are going to disagree in the classroom. I have students say it to students. I have students say it to me as the teacher. I have the teacher say it to students because we want that whole culture all around. We want them to feel safe and create an environment enough where they can feel like they can disagree respectfully and that no one is going to just, you know, go off on them. I have seen many teachers that have been very sarcastic with students, but then want the respect back for students. You haven't built the respect culture in the classroom. And so starting with creating that management and that culture, that type of culture will give you a positive learning environment that students can thrive in. So now that we have gotten all of those things started when it comes to management and culture, we're going to move to our pillar three, which is content. So the last two pillars are content and instructional execution. I always say content is your plan. Instructional execution is your do. So plan and then do. So when we come to planning, we have ability to unpack standards into appropriate ICANN statements or whatever kind of statements you guys utilize. Effective use of curriculum maps and pacing guides. You need to let teachers know whether or not what your district or school requires. What is the principal going to look at when they come in for their evaluation? Are they going to be looking to see, are you on task with the curriculum map or the pacing guide? Or do you need to be somewhere within these few weeks? Teachers need to understand that. So the ability to use data to inform instruction. I know that we have so much data out there. We have beginning of the year, middle of the year, end of the year, right? We have state assessments. We have district assessments. We have exit tickets, unit tests, quizzes. We have so much data, (laughs) truly, out there. But what we want to do is really kind of see what data we need to utilize that makes most sense inside of our classroom. 
And so we're going to help teachers to kind of figure out what data it is that they need to use and then talk about how they are going to utilize that by at least creating lesson plans and assessments that align to the content, but also looking and identifying any standards or skills that are foundational that students may have missed. And especially because we're like coming up on our second year after COVID and so, or third year after COVID, but really kind of let that second year that we're, we're kind of getting back into our normal. And so we want to make sure that we are addressing those student needs and any holes that may be in their instructional curriculum that we may need to build on that foundation. All right. And so the final thing is under content is to utilize time mapping especially in lesson plans. And the reason why I do this is because I like to create a sense of urgency when it comes to teaching. I also like for students to know how long we're going to do something. So if I say, okay, students, we are about to work on, or I am about to explain this topic to you. I need for you to give me 10 minutes of your attention and then we'll move to something else. So now I'm going to set the 10 minute timer and then I'm going to actually teach or instruct. And at that particular moment, students are most likely engaged because they know that they have to give me 10 minutes and then I'll give them a rest break or I'll give them a brain break. And so that's kind of how I do that. I also like for teachers to plan out or time map just because then they can stay on task. They can also have an idea of how long they should be doing something and how much support that they can give with their students in that area. All right, so now that we have all the planning done, we understand our standards, we know where we need to be on a pacing guide, we've broken our students down into small groups based on some data, we got our lesson plan done, we already started with assessments, so we know what we're teaching, we know where we're going, and we've mapped it out. Now we get to actually what? Do it and teach it. We get to see the teachers teach, and that's the most important part, right? That's the fun part where we get to talk about instructional execution, So as we're in the classroom and we're observing instructional execution, we want to make sure that we look at our lesson activities connected to learning objectives. Our teacher questions involve various levels. Are we talking about of blooms? I talk about teachers implementing evidence of impactful instructional strategies. And the reason why I utilize the word impactful instructional strategies is because one, When we talk about research-based strategies and we talk about evidence-based strategies, sometimes we have to take those strategies and adjust them for the climate and culture of our classroom. Or the teacher will have to adjust them. And as the coach, we're going to work with the teacher to adjust. I also let teachers know that, especially if they have multiple classes, that what works in one class as an instructional strategy may not work in the next class as an instructional strategy. And so you want to make sure that teachers are being aware of that and that they are choosing impactful instructional strategies, strategies that are going to make an impact and make a difference on their climate and their culture. So we also want to talk about materials that support the learning. Are we making sure that we are actually utilizing things that are connected to those in standards and those I can statements and those skills that we talked about? Is the delivery and pacing appropriate? Remember, we did that utilizing of that time mapping. So teachers should be timing out kind of how they are teaching. And nothing worse than being in a classroom and sitting in an observation as or as a student and it is moving so slow, right? 
<laughs> and so you want to make sure that it's appropriate. And But you don't want to be where it's too, too fast either, right? You just want to make sure that it's appropriate and that students are grasping and cognitively understanding what it is that the teacher is teaching. And at the same time that the teacher is providing feedback, especially in a timely manner. And the final thing we want to look at is evidence of differentiation. So is that happening? We know we looked at that data. We put them probably in small groups during the, our content planning time, but making sure that students are actually in the correct groups and they're thriving in those groups in differentiation if we're using the groups. Hey, hey, coaches, I have a few questions for you. Are you struggling to get coaching cycles completed? Are you still trying to figure out what to coach? Are you confused about how to coach teachers? If you raised your hand and said yes to any of these questions, I want to invite you to join me and more than 100 instructional coaches inside the Simply Coaching Hub. The Simply Coaching Hub is a professional development, resource, and community hub that will provide you with practical, relatable, and actionable professional development for new and seasoned instructional coaches. The hub is specifically for instructional coaches created by me and instructional coach. In the hub, we focus on providing specific pathways that meet you where you are in your coaching journey. Differentiation is important when we work with students and even when we coach teachers. Shouldn't it be important when it comes to your growth as a coach too? Absolutely. And that's why when you join the hub, you will be prescribed a coaching pathway that will address your specific needs. The hub also provides a simple framework for you to implement right away. It's time you start coaching with confidence. And most importantly, the hub is a community. With over 100 instructional coaches from all over the world, you will connect with someone who can support you through any situation you may be dealing with. And the best part is you have a coach walking side by side to support you in your journey. It's time to elevate your instructional coaching with the Simply Coaching Hub. Check out www.simplycoachinghub.com to learn more. I will see you in the hub. So now that you have your baseline snapshot completed under your provided strategic support, that's your first step. Your second step is now to put them in tiers, okay? And then that's how you are going to support your teachers from there. How much support you can give is based on the tiers of importance or tiers of level of support that they need. And so that comes about where they are or where they land in the simple core four. What else is it that you want to focus on? And I kind of put them in tiers and I say these in medical terms because it was just so much easier for me to grasp that concept. And the first concept is that, you know, you put them kind of in a triangle like a RTI. So you have your level one, level two, level three. So when we talk about level three, I'll start from the top and go down. So we start with level three. If I put it in medical terms, that is your ICU unit. <laughs> they are in the trauma unit. Normally, they fall somewhere in under that organization and management and culture. Things are out of control in that classroom. And students need some help. The teacher needs some help. She or he has lost control of the classroom. And things are getting just out of control and all over everywhere. You want to help that teacher to come back together. That means that you are going to support that teacher every three to five days using some type of coaching cycle, whether it's the PAR cycle that I prescribe to 
or if it is what we may call an impact cycle from Jim Knight, or you may utilize Diane Sweeney cycles, but that's under the launch of coaching cycles. But I'm just saying you want to make sure you give that support probably every three to five days, right? You're going to be in that classroom consistently until that teacher gets things under control. Now, when we start to coach classroom management, I have a rule and this is personally Nicole's rule. So this isn't somewhere else's rule. And I don't know if this is research-based somewhere, but I found that this is kind of common sense a little bit for me. And what it is, is that I don't model in front of students classroom management strategies. And the reason being is that I want students to directly and cognitively relate that strategy with their teacher, not with me. Because of course, if I go into the classroom and I do a classroom management strategy, students are going to fall in line because one, I'm different. Two, the teacher has already lost that classroom management power. And so to rebuild that power back with the teacher, you want the teacher to lead in that. You want to kind of fall back and maybe kind of do some in the moment coaching with them, but not necessarily be the person who leads that in the classroom. When we move to level two, which is your middle tier. I make that when you come to medical terminology, I will put that as mostly like you're in the hospital kind of floor teacher. (laughs) That means that they need constant checkups, but they're not bleeding out and it's not profusely things happening and it's not detrimental, but they do need support. And mostly they fall under that management and culture and that content, those two pillars under the core four. And those two pillars under the core four, it is really good for them to really kind of start to set that management and that culture piece. It's not as bad as level three, but it is definitely you're needing to kind of make some changes and get some things going. That's where you do that management and culture, start to set that culture and then really talk about what is your lesson plan looking like and start to plan some better activities and strategies happening in the classroom to kind of start with that engagement. You do not have to, again, I'm going to say, you do not have to check off everything, but you can work in two pillars at once. It's kind of how I like it to go. All right, and then your low level or low level of support, which is your tier one teachers, they are more in that content and instructional execution. So they don't need you every single day. So you may do coaching cycles with them that are more two, three weeks, four weeks, something like that. You're not there every single day. and You're mostly just up in rigor in the classroom. So you really more focus specifically on those coaching strategies that you're going to support them in, but you're definitely more focused on rigor and lesson planning. That was provide strategic support. So you do all of that in your P. (laughs) But once you have that all set up and established, you will rotate in and out because teachers won't stay in the same tiers all the time. They should move tiers if you are working correctly. So they will move tiers, but that's just kind of setting up your caseload is what I kind of call it. So now we are going to actually launch those coaching cycles. Remember, I talked about that. We already know what tiers it is and we kind of have an idea of what those coaching cycles will look like. In the coaching cycles, again, if you use the impact cycle from Jim Knight, if you use Diane Sweeney Student Center Coaching, if you use the Elena Aguilera model, like all of this can be used in the launching of the coaching cycle component. So you still will do all of that other stuff, but you will take their coaching cycle and place it here. If you want to utilize the simple blueprint on its own without a different coaching cycle, then you would utilize the coaching cycle that I have put together. And that's called the PAR cycle. P stands for plan and practice, pre-planning and practice. A stands for act, which is to implement and observe. 
And R stands for reflect, which is debrief and analyze. And so there are five steps when it comes to coaching cycles. Step one is when you are going to do all those things about building relationships, discussing the role, expectations. You know, you're going to do your baseline snapshot. You're going to align it to the core four and you're going to set goals. All the time, I always share what the coaching cycle looks like. And I always share the simple core four and say, hey, these are the areas that we're going to start with. This is what I can, you know, giving me a baseline of where it is that we need to work on. And this is, you know, the core four. This is kind of where I think we need to start. What do you think? And then you kind of give them some choice and conversations based on the baseline snapshot that you observed. And then you have that conversation and set your goals, right? So once you set your goals, you move into step two, which is that pre-planning and practice. You're going to identify what actions will happen, what will be taught. If you're going to teach a teacher something or if the teacher is going to implement or however it's going to go, but the teacher should be learning a new strategy or a new skill at this point. And then you're going to practice implementation with the teacher. And what I say is practice is, is that especially like if I'm dealing with a tier three teacher and we're doing some coaching around classroom management, I'm going to go into the teacher's room and I'm going to have the teacher to practice implementing whatever it is, the skill in the classroom And I want them to stand up. I want them to act as if the students are there. And the reason being is that one, it becomes comfortable for them. But two, if there are any corrections, I can say or give them some feedback then. And then we can actually model it for them. No, this is the way we should walk in or you should stand this way or this is your proximity to these students. All of that kind of conversation needs to happen in that pre-planning and practice. Even if you are pre-planning and practice a lesson plan, if you're talking about a reading basil, any of that kind of stuff, you may want the teacher to actually plan or practice what it is that they're going to say just so that you can give some type of feedback right then and there before you get in front of students. After that, you're going to act, which is the implement and observe. When we talk about implementing and observe, you're going to utilize whatever that strategy is. If it's a classroom management strategy, then the teacher is leading. The teacher is actually implementing and you're doing the in the moment coaching and helping them go through it. If it is something where it's more curriculum-based, then maybe I am leading and doing and the teacher is actually observing me or the teacher may be implementing and I'm observing the teacher. So at some point, we're going to implement, observe. And then immediately in step four, we're going to reflect. And so a reflection meeting or debrief is debrief and analyze and reflect. It doesn't necessarily always have to be a long planned out meeting. It could be a stop by and say, hey, How did you think things went today as you implemented that behavior strategy? Oh, this kid was here. This student was there. This was a challenge. This wasn't a challenge. Okay, how can we make these quick tweaks for it tomorrow to make a difference? And so you and the teacher may right then and there make some quick tweaks to whatever is going on. And then the teacher can implement it differently the next day. And then after that, you come back and you observe it for the second time. So the first day will be in the moment coaching, then you do a quick debrief and analyze. The next day, the teacher's going to implement, but you're not going to observe. You're then going to come back at the end of the class period and ask, how did it go? Then you're going to talk about whether or not there needs to be some adjustments again. And then you're going to come back on that following day or day three, and then you'll observe again, may do some in the moment coaching, and then you may need to do a little bit of a debrief. That's a quick one. You need to have that one strategic thing happen and you want to make a change. You may not do that when it comes to curriculum, 
that fast, but you're still going to do the same steps. You're just going to have a little bit of wiggle room for some days in between those steps. And the fifth step is basically just to track your progress towards the goal. Either you're going to move on to a new trajectory goal, and that's what I call smaller goals. At the beginning of the year, I have teachers to give me a big goal, which is whatever it is that they are going to to have at the end of that semester or the end of that year. And then we create these small trajectory goals, or you can call them benchmark goals. And we're going to work on each one of those goals all the way up. And if we create or complete based on the trajectory goals, we should hit the goal for the year, which is super awesome, right? So that is launching coaching cycles. And then the final thing is RE, which is engage in professional learning. And here's the thing that I want you guys to understand from my perspective of E. We do not want to necessarily always have professional development sit and gets. They should be professional development experiences, <laughs> right? They should definitely align to whatever the school improvement goal is. I know many times we have these lovely school improvement plans that we created at the beginning of the year, we turn them in, and then no one ever goes back into them. But they should be the guiding light of what happens throughout that whole year. It should be we are on that goal. In the classrooms, when you go through and do your snapshots, You should make sure that you can create and do data dives. You can do instructional walks. You can do professional development. You can use the instructional walks data to make sure that you are creating professional development that directly aligns to whatever that school improvement goal is. So you want to make sure that you are following along, making sure that everything that you do all points to that school improvement goal. So you want to create those experiences One year we did small groups and small groups is kind of where we break teachers into small groups to help build camaraderie and morale in the the building. As an entire building, we created a rubric, that rubric directly aligned to the school improvement goal that we were working on. Everyone agreed that this is what we were going to do. So in those small groups, we had one team leader. I only talked to the team leader. I never talked to the group. I let the group take one whole quarter and then they would observe each other's class. And from that quarter, they were all the team lead people would come back to me and we would have conversations around what it is that teachers need professional development on. And based on that information is how I implemented professional development over the next quarter. It was very powerful because now the professional development that I was creating in PLCs was actually helping the teachers make differences in the classroom. So it wasn't like I just was like, oh, hey, let's do PD. This is a PD that we're going to do. No, it was very strategic, very planned, and it was very aligned. And so you want to make sure that your professional learning is aligned to whatever the goal is of the building. That pretty much is the entire (laughs) simple blueprint for instructional coaching. I really want you guys to know that coaches are key players in school achievement and that the simple blueprint just provides a guide for effective coaching. Remember that you are going to set the vision, introduce your role, make a plan, provide strategic support, launch coaching cycles, and engage teachers in professional learning. I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Happy coaching. for listening to the Simply Instructional Coaching Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with other coaches and teacher leaders, post about it on social media, and leave a rating or review. 
To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at simplycoachingandteaching underscore and on Twitter at coachandteach. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next episode. Happy coaching.